Welcome back to your haunted holiday. I'm Lindsay. And this is Lisa. And I have a very historic location for us to cover today, Lisa. This might be the oldest place we've ever talked about, potentially. Wow. I'm assuming it's going to be international then? That's right. We are going international. We're actually going to one of the seven wonders of the world, essentially. One of the biggest you know, landmarks out there. It's extremely recognizable. So many tourists go there every single year. And so it fits perfectly into our format of a place that you could go visit. And this place has got to be haunted. This is your haunted holiday at the Great Wall of China. Well, we hope everybody had an amazing Halloween. I know I had a lot of fun handing out candy, watching lots of scary movies, and of course, researching your Haunted Holiday episodes for you all. We really want to try to grow our audience a little bit more than we already have. We have such a loyal listener base. And if there's anything you can do to help the show, which includes leaving reviews on whichever platform you're on, that would be wonderful, as well as sharing this show with your friends and family to get other people to start listening. We appreciate our listeners so much, and we want everybody to know what your haunted holiday is. Spread the word. That's right. I agree. Let your folks know. Let, let other people know. Start, you know, anyone that you think might be interested in this kind of show, definitely share it with them. But let's dive into this haunted location here, Lisa. So Great Wall of China, possibly the oldest location we've ever covered. It literally began being built in BC times. Okay, so this is over 2000 years old. It was actually started in the 7th century BC by the Qin Dynasty. Dynasty. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's spelled Q-I-N, but when I look up pronunciation, I think it's Qin, kind of like China. I think that's kind of where it maybe comes from. So you historians out there, I'm going to do my best there on pronunciation here. But also, you know, I think I've got a pretty good bit of the history, so... And there's just so much of it. It's wild. So I mean, if we're going back to that time frame, I just can't even imagine how much history there is around this. And I mean, you know, we say all the time, if it's old, its likelihood of being haunted is going up with age. Mm -hmm. And considering how old this place is going all the way back several thousand years, I mean, it's got to be haunted, right? No doubt. Just even the vastness of this place. And we'll talk a little bit about how many people we think may have died on the wall at the location. I mean, think about work practices way back then. Things weren't safe to, to do this kind of construction. They didn't have like equal, you know, they didn't have workers' rights back then, right? So, I mean, gosh, so many people died. What I also was kind of surprised by in doing my research is this is not just like one big wall all going the same direction. This actually started out as multiple smaller walls that the Qin Dynasty started to kind of put together to eventually block off other smaller groups. And Mon Mongolia um, was, was the big one, but other small villages they were blocking off uh, from entering China. And so it's actually, um, it's not like you can just walk one straight line down the wall. It doesn't work that way. It's all over the place, kind of veering off in multiple directions and 
So it's massive. And I'll talk a little bit about how much wall there is, like how long it really is here in a little bit. But it goes across the northern border, um, mainly to keep out Mongolians and other groups, like I said. And the Ming Dynasty took over. So you had the original Qin Dynasty that built it for quite a long time. The Ming Dynasty from 1368 to 1644 made major expansions. Um, and they added onto the old um, Qin Wall. And then they also added watchtowers. So those pieces that you see where there's brick and it seems very solid and almost, you know, modern technology probably i mean modern technology in several hundred years ago is what i mean when i say that you've got bricks and that kind of thing more durable to withstand the elements that's from the ming dynasty's additions and i feel like that's the photos that i recognize are the yes the brick structures with the watchtowers i think those are kind of the famous images that when you see people visit the great wall of china that's a lot of where some of those bigger touristy areas are is my assumption definitely absolutely that's what i've primarily seen too i didn't realize that there were portions of the wall that were built completely differently than what we primarily see a lot of the touristy you know locations where it's a little bit more well built with the watchtowers so yeah it's just it, this thing is huge and there's parts of it that are even so degraded, but it definitely used to be there and they can determine that. But the Ming Dynasty added, they think around 25,000 watchtowers. Wow. Yeah, huge number. And do we have any idea how far that is in miles? So in 2012, the Natural Cultural Heritage Administration of China uh, they finished map, a mapping survey of the Great Wall, and they found that it was over 13,000 miles long. And this includes the very old wall structure started by the Qin Dynasty. And in some parts, it's completely eroded, so it's not even there anymore. But they've calculated how long the wall would be if all of it was still standing. Currently today, only about 1,700 miles are still solid and actually there. So imagine how many miles of it are pretty much gone, but they did exist at one point. And what's really wild to me is that new sections still get discovered every few years. Wow, I did not know that. One thing I've always heard about the Great Wall of China is it's the only uh, piece of structure that can be seen from outer space. Well, you would think that with everything I've just been saying, right? Like how huge this thing is, that is actually false. That is not a true thing. I did some research into that. That is a myth. You can technically see it from low Earth orbit if the weather conditions are perfect and you know exactly where to look. But it's just like any other major man-made structure where you can you can also see many things from low Earth orbit. Outside of low Earth orbit, though, no, you cannot see it. It's a complete myth, and it's, it's not the only man-made structure that you can see from space. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's a myth. I always thought you could see it from space until the other day when I did this research. So talking a little bit more about the history, there are some estimates that at least one million people died while building this wall. There are other estimates, though, that I think might be a better source. I found some from the Smithsonian Magazine and then also another source from the History Channel who say it was really closer to probably 400,000 people that died. But went on the building went on for so long it's so old we'll never really know but still a, a large number of people building the wall did 
die. A lot of the people building the wall weren't doing it by choice, right? They were actually building it because maybe they were prisoners or they were just forced to do it by the government back then. There were also some conflicting reports online of whether or not the bodies were actually buried in the wall. I did read something that they they never did find any sort of body in the wall itself built into the wall. So that also might be a myth. But if you imagine that many people died there, who knows? Maybe they were buried nearby. Hard to say. So that is conflicting reports, but still we have a lot of death. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I mean, um, anywhere between 400,000 to a million people dying, doing something at a specific location, which is the Great Wall of China, that is just a, a massive number. That is really wild to think about and really sad. 100, absolutely. Very sad. Especially a lot of these folks out there you know, working hard and, and not even because they want to be there in some cases, right? But imagine if you had a job today and people were dying all the time. I mean, that would be, gosh, you know, that would be huge news. And But back then it seems more like it was kind of the norm. And people died from accidents, hunger, exhaustion, and disease, among well, other things. And that's certainly an extreme example, but there are still some examples of places that don't have these workers rights that they they do today in like mm -hmm. the United States and some other countries. I mean, if we look at the World Cup and there was a lot of controversy around Qatar and some of the mm -hmm. practices around the construction of those stadiums, a lot of people died doing that even today. That's right. That's right. I I forgot about that and you're correct. So yeah, this kind of stuff still still is out there, which is really terrible from what I can tell, that number doesn't even count the number of people who maybe died fighting, defending the border, or trying to come over the wall and into enemy territory, right? So, gosh, I would love to know a, a closer number, but we know it's a massive amount. There was fighting that occurred on the wall. It ultimately was expanded for a reason. And because we like kind of morbid stuff on this particular podcast. Um, I found uh, an interesting quote about preserving the spirits. And this came from a website called thegreatwallofchina.com. And it says, so many people died during construction of the Great Wall that a tradition for removing the bodies arose. Family members going to retrieve the body of one of, of, of the one who had died while working on the wall came to carry a white caged rooster on top of the coffin of the family member. They believed that the rooster's incessant crowing would keep the family member's spirit awake, thereby avoiding the risk of the spirit escaping during transport and being forever condemned to wandering the length of the Great Wall. Hmm. That is interesting because think about it. Like, we believe in ghosts. So did people all the way back then. This is this is not a new thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they probably didn't have roosters for everybody, that they carried out of there <laughs> you know there's and whether the rooster thing works probably not um but kind of an interesting thought about their spirits being left behind or not left behind and, and there was probably a lot of people if we think about you know who these individuals were some of them were you know prisoners that were forced into this and if we look at any you know, prison today or asylum in the history that we talk about, a lot of the people that die at those places, they don't have anybody to come get them. So mm -hmm. they are buried somewhere nearby or in some mass site. 
I would guess that that's probably going to be the same here. If you just look at the massive numbers of people who passed away, I can't imagine that all of them or even a majority of them would have had family members that are going to arrive to to retrieve their bodies. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, and just the massive number alone, like we've said, it took quite a long time. I don't know. Some things that I read were that even... Um, People visiting China, you know, several hundred years ago, explorers, you know, going to see Asia would see the wall and were like amazed by it. Whereas China kind of were used to it and didn't really see it as some amazing historical site. And so they really didn't view it as a historical significant um, building structure until around 1980. Um, and then that's when China actually looked at starting to preserve some of it and create a tourist attraction around it. So it took r recent history for it to actually become a tourist type of thing and recognized for its historical significance. Wow. Up until 1980. That yeah. is, wow, that's interesting. So when they started doing this, they recognized, you know, some of the wall was falling apart. We talked about how some of the older, really old parts of the wall actually are completely gone now. And people were even using some of the bricks and the building materials for their own homes and structures. There are certain parts of the wall today that literally people have built homes into the wall, like small villages and stuff. People literally live in portions of the wall to this day, which is kind of interesting. And then in 1987, it was recognized as one of the world's great historic sites, and it's one of the seven wonders of the world. So, and then here we are today with the Great Wall of China. Very cool. This is definitely one of those places on my list that regardless of the haunting, I think there's so much history around and it's it's a seven wonder of the world. Uh, if I ever make it out there to China, I, this is definitely one of the stops that I'm going to want to see. Definitely. It's a bucket list location. So let's get into some of the potential hauntings here. There are so many possibilities. I mean, just the vastness. So you've got just a huge structure, thousands of miles long. You've got potentially millions of people dead while building and fighting along the wall. So there's so many possibilities over the years of potential ghosts that could be there. There's also some reports of hikers who have died along the wall in more recent history. So that kind of thing occurs as well. And you know, Lisa, I don't even have this in my notes, but maybe it's also a ghost vacation spot. You know, we just never know <laughs> in the afterlife if you can travel to other spots and knowing it's a bucket list for us, who knows? Maybe on the other side too. So there is a legend that says if you visit the Great Wall, the dead workers will haunt you until you cross a line of firecrackers in order to scare them away. So unless you do that and you visit, there's potential that you're going to be followed home by the spirits. And I bet you 99% of people don't walk past a line of firecrackers on their way out of there. I know one person who's been to the Great Wall of China, and I'm pretty sure she didn't do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask. I'm sure she didn't. Honestly, like, what are the odds, right? Most people are just going. They, they go to Beijing, and there's a section of the wall I'll talk about that has it's pretty accessible if you're visiting Beijing, China. And, uh, yeah, there's, they're not crossing firecrackers. I would be shocked if that's a thing going on. Um, but kind of funny. There, So there's several reports of different kind of spirits that you can run across here. So 
full-bodied apparitions of of workers or even soldiers. Um, people have seen full apparitions out there. They also have a tendency to see shadows. They hear marching footsteps. One account uh, was when someone was camping. They heard this outside of their tent at night. So this thing is so vast, you can just go camp up there. We'll talk about that here in a little bit too, um, which would be an interesting way to potentially do a ghost hunt, right? Well, and I think that's an interesting haunting, especially there because we know people were battling. There's a reason the wall was built, right? Is because mm -hmm. they were trying to stop infiltrators and I'm sure there was a lot of battles there. And China's known for its massive armies. So I would imagine that would be a really interesting residual haunt to mm -hmm. be able to hear the marching because I am confident that that happened for hundreds of years along certain portions of that wall. Absolutely. I think the marching sounds are really interesting and kind of that would be cool to capture for sure. Many people also just feel a general uneasiness, even start feeling kind of sick, nauseous, headache. They feel those kinds of things as well as physical injuries like being pushed, grabbed or hit. The number of people that have passed away here there's so many possibilities for the types of spirits you might run across, like residual kind of things. And then who knows, maybe also you've got some intelligent haunts out there as well, some friendlier than others. There was one episode that I was able to find of a TV show um, that we used to watch all the time. It's one of Josh Gates's original. He does a lot of different shows today, but he used to do this one on Sci-Fi Channel called Destination Truth. It used to come on right after Ghost Hunters. It was really good. I love Destination Truth. In fact, I've purchased a lot of the episodes on my Amazon account so I can go back and, and watch some of them because I just love that they will go and stop at nothing to find either the, the cryptid, you know, mysteries. Whereas on Destination Truth, they really got into that stuff and they found some interesting things. And so, yeah, they had the ability to go out to what they called the Wild Wall. And this is a not heavily touristed area. It's about 50 miles north of Beijing, which is where a lot of the touristy areas are too, north of Beijing. But they had to hike off trail for an extra five miles. They had to set up camp there. I mean, this was not an easy track to get where they went. And it's also the Wild Wall is a bit of a more treacherous area overgrown it hasn't been maintained over the years so it's really old and can be kind of dangerous several hikers so from what the show starts off on they go and they they talk to some of the locals who will not even go up to the wall they're too scared and they they talk about people being pushed over the edge of the wall they think by spirits potentially they think there's some something really negative up in that section of the wall and some of the locals also bring up the idea that they think you can be possessed by some of the spirits up there on the wall. And so they were very uh, concerned about visiting it. And a lot of them just stayed away from the wall altogether. So it's interesting. And of course, on this show, they they have all the gear. They'll hike. They'll climb walls. They'll do the whole thing. Um, and so there were a few things that happened while they were hunt ghost hunting there, which was very interesting. Something actually did grab Josh and he was startled by it. He felt something on his back. He thought it was one of their people working on the show. It was not. And you could see he was concerned. He was surprised um, by this happening. And I, he's always, uh, you know, he believes from what I can tell from all of his shows, but he's a bit of a skeptic. You know, he's going to go in and actually try to debunk things. So I thought that was interesting. 
shortly after he was actually touched on the back or grabbed as he had explained it they decide to do an evp session there and they actually picked up on one that says let me be normal in the Hmm. evp that's interesting you know what else i think is is interesting right like i'm confident that these um ghosts when they were you know alive were not speaking english right i thought the same thing i always think like you know i guess in the afterlife like language probably isn't you know a barrier that it is here um but we see that a lot when they go to some of these international locations they'll get an evp in english when i would always think you know wouldn't it be in chinese and that they would need somebody to translate like what is you know this evp saying so I think that's kind of interesting that that it came through in English. I agree. And then they had Josh, or not Josh, I'm sorry. They had Grant and Jason from Ghost Hunters review the evidence. And they point out that this particular recording is very clear on what it says. And it is very clear. It says, let me be normal, which is such a strange message. And it's in English, which I agree was kind of strange. Right after the EVP session, they find that Josh's GoPro had been physically turned off. There was actually a switch that you have to hit, and it had been hit, and they could not explain it. They felt like maybe that was paranormal. Hard to say. And I also feel like I I don't remember this particular episode that you're referencing, but I, I wonder, like, I feel like this is probably a pretty remote location where there are some locals who have been there that have experienced things, but the ghosts at this spot are probably not used to people showing up with equipment and asking questions and trying to get some sort of responses. I would imagine the locals for the most part are trying to avoid that sort of activity like a lot of normal people would other than, you know, us weirdos who like to go and try to experience something. (laughs) And so I wonder if you're more likely to get activity at a place like that where they're not used to people showing up and maybe they're kind of curious, like, what is this that you know, they're putting this meter in front of me and and mm-hmm. maybe it kind of riled them up a little bit to start, you know, messing with equipment they probably have never seen before. They've probably never seen that type of camera or, you know, those different um, items that 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 crew brought along. That is an interesting theory because I always wonder, you know, when we go to these places that have been had so many ghost hunters there, right? Like um, Sorel Weed House, St. Augustine Lighthouse. I always think to myself, I wonder if these spirits are starting to understand how to use the equipment, how to communicate through it because they've had so much experience with it. There's been so many people in with a recorder trying to catch an EVP or a K2 EMF meter, that kind of thing. So it does make me wonder, maybe the opposite is true, Lisa, with, you know, ghosts being around I mean such a weird thought <laughs> like maybe ghosts are learning the equipment right learning the t- new technology I, I don't know um, or at wait. least curious about what it is because it's right. a pretty remote spot that people aren't showing up with that stuff and I also think it's possible in some of these more commonly investigated locations maybe some of those ghosts are bored of it they're like oh gosh here comes another tour group trying to get us to do something and maybe they're just not in the mood that day you know to to deal with it because they do it all the time right i mean it is an interesting question of if we could get in the minds of these spirits right we know they exist 
But what is their day to day? What are, what are they thinking? I don't know. That's why we ghost it, I guess, right? We want to know. We're, we're and curious. I, and I'm sure it just depends on the ghost. All right. So let's talk about how you get there, how you go ghost hunt, what are some of the best times, all of it, right? And, and let me just also put a disclaimer out there. I'm going to give you some very basic information around pricing and around how you can get there to some of the more touristy areas. However, there are so many ways you can visit the Great Wall, okay? I highly recommend, don't just go off of this. If you actually are going to go visit, you need to do heavy research into this because there's so many different people you can pay that will set it all up for you. Excursions, you could do it yourself. There's just endless possibilities considering how big this thing is. So there's lots of spots you can travel to across the Great Wall of China. I, I have read, though, that the best times to visit as far as weather and, and all of that are from March to October. So anywhere between March and October are typically going to be the best times of year to go there. Make sure that you update your passport and you might even need to get a visa. So really understand what you're going to need to be able to travel to China before you go, of course, right? Before you book that flight. There's so many possibilities, like I said, because it's so large. We're talking over 1,700 miles still standing today. And if you're really looking to go, make sure you research what section you want to visit and, and look into tours and that kind of thing on how to get there. North of Beijing is a very popular location, like I said earlier. It's not technically the wild wall where Josh was because they had to hike off of the more touristy areas to get there, but it's still about 50 miles north of Beijing. And this is a section that you see in a lot of photos. This is where the Ming Dynasty built on brick watchtowers. They made all those updates. And the actual government has started to make sure they keep it up, updated, right? Keep it from falling apart. So I think Beijing is a good option because, number one, it's an easier place to travel to. It's a major city for tourists there in China. And then you can do a day trip up to go visit the actual wall itself. And you can take a taxi, you can take a bus, you can even hire a guided tour. There's tons of options out there. Typically, entry, you do pay an entry fee to go up to the wall, um, at least the Beijing section. It's only around $5.50. When I do the conversion to US dollars today, that's for adults and then children and seniors are only $2.75 to enter the wall section. I did see there are some, you know, depending on the section, if it's a tourist spot that's regulated by the government, there are going to be those fees to enter. I saw one that went up close to $10 if I converted it. So very affordable to actually go see the wall and, and walk up and down certain sections. Taxis going up to the wall can run anywhere from $100 to $200 round trip, while the bus is only $10. You'll want to think about food, like if this is a long trip, are you going to pack something to eat? Are you going to do some of this kind of on your own? I've heard that near this main section, major tourist section north of Beijing, there is, there aren't any good local food options is what I've read, but there is a KFC <laughs> right there by the entry. So stop and get yourself some fried chicken. It's probably great. And then there's also a cable car that you can ride up and down the wall in, in that section as well. That's an extra fee. Um, I was reading guided tours. Typically, if you're going to hire someone, going to run you between $75 and $150 US dollars uh, converted. So still pretty affordable if you want to go up there for the day. 
I would probably do a guided tour so you're not paying a taxi and you've got somebody taking you up there. I think if you can, when you go to some of these, you know, greatly historic sites, try to do a guided tour. You just really learn a tremendous amount rather than just kind of showing up and, you know, reading the things. I've had some other options that were fine too. Um, but I find when I travel to places, a guided tour for a place like this is really the way to go if you can do it. Absolutely. Like I even, I was watching a few different YouTube videos of people visiting because I was trying to get an idea of the ease of it and, you know, different options that people have. And there's also, there were women on one of these videos uh, that went to a train station and people were trying to scam them into buying tickets from them that weren't even real, that were a lot more expensive than the actual train ticket itself. So I think a guided tour is probably the best way to go unless you feel pretty confident. And, and maybe you do, maybe you research and you realize don't get scammed by the people at the train station, um, that kind of thing. What a, a option that I think would be great if you want to go ghost hunt this place. I really think camping at the Great Wall would be the way to go because then you can stay the night. You can do the late night thing, um, especially if you get good weather. How cool would that be to literally camp on the wall? You could just bring a tent and somebody in one of the videos I saw set it up in a watchtower. They literally just camped in the watchtower of, of one of these kind of more secluded areas on the wall. I read an article on the LA Times where the writer, actually, she paid a fee. She hiked up to a less typical touristy area, and she literally just spent the night under the stars. She brought a sleeping bag at the wall. I mean, she didn't talk about any ghostly activity happening in that particular <laughs> article, but it was interesting for my tourist research. Um, and that kind of gave me the idea. The Another group that I saw that uh, camped at the wall they actually took the train. So these are the women that were trying almost scammed. Um, and they took the train to a really small town where they paid a guide and they actually stayed in this guide's house. They made them food. They had a nice little room set up and they also provided them camping gear for the night that they were actually going to stay the night at the wall. So all of that, I, I don't remember the exact price. I should have written it down, but it was very cheap. It was very reasonable to pay this family in this small town. And that's what they do. They literally run a business out of their home where they're putting up people that want to go up to the wall and they provide all the camping gear that they need. So it's not like you have to pack it and fly over with it. They'll give you what you need there. So I think that would be great if you could that go does sound That does sound good because then you don't have to worry about the equipment or the food. Because yeah. think about it. Like I love the idea of just, you know, taking a sleeping bag, staying the night in a watchtower. But I get hungry. I need something to eat. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, how I'm going to bring bring that along with me. But if I could hire somebody that's going to take care of that, even better. Absolutely. I think that's a great option. And then you're also supporting a local town. You're support, supporting a local family, their small business. I think that's, I think that's a great option if you can do it. You know, the other option, like I said, you go to Beijing, you do a day trip up there and you get to see the wall, experience it, but it is going to be more touristy. I think your odds of having an, a haunted encounter are going to be fairly low in that kind of scenario, right? With all the busyness, but you never know. Ghosts are unpredictable, right? It can happen in the middle of the day when you're least expecting it with people around, right? Um, but I really think the camping option is a good one. It's not like there's a hotel on the Great Wall that you can just stay at. Camping is going to be your only option if you want to do a late night ghost hunt. 
I love the camping option. I will say the one person that I know that went to the Great Wall, she said, and she just did kind of the standard touristy stuff. She wasn't, you know, ghost hunting or anything. But she said it was incredibly overwhelming once you get up on that wall and you can just see the vastness of it and the amount of history and the number of people who lost their lives, you know, building this wall. She was just overcome i think when she she saw it it was way more than i think she even expected it to be so i heard that story and thought huh well if i ever you know get to china i certainly would like to check that out i think that would be pretty cool no doubt i could see that how she would feel that way because i mean part of the reason we love going to haunted locations and one reason we do this podcast is because we love old historic buildings we have some appreciation for what happened there in the past right history happened at a certain hotel or uh we marshall house first episode we ever did i find the history behind the civil war and all of that fascinating to think about the horrible things that happened the, the sadness behind some of it but it's just fascinating to consider the history that went down in this location and Think about this. We're going now back not just hundreds of years, thousands at this particular spot. So like I said, do your research. If you really want to do it, don't just listen to me. Go do your own research on this. Figure out exactly what you want to do, what you want to see, especially if you're going to make a big trek out to China like this. I mean, really figure out how you want to see it, the best way to go. And yeah, enjoy your enjoy your time at the Great Wall. If you go out there and you have a ghostly encounter, Please let us know. I would love to hear more ghost stories um, from people out there visiting. Absolutely. And in our next episode, we're going to do something a little bit more accessible, a place that we recently went to that we've, it's actually a place we brought up a few times, but I got to say, we went to the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas this last week, and I was I was pretty scared. I was a little bit shook. We have some interesting stories. We actually did experience something ghostly. So we're gonna share that in our next episode. I was I was shocked at what we experienced. I was too. To be honest. I couldn't believe it. I got no doubt this place is haunted. So that's just a little teaser for what's to come. We also have um, a couple new reviews that we want to thank you all so much for putting out there on uh, Apple and one recommendation that came from those reviews. So I'm certainly going to research that. And if I can find enough information, I will absolutely cover that in an episode. So we want to thank everybody who's left us more positive reviews since we've returned to the show. We want to thank everybody so much for listening and don't forget to share this show with your friends and family. Thank you all so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week.